Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis throw Sidney Powell under the bus. Team Trump's legal options narrow, and the media insists they are credible after completely destroying their own credibility. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Stand up for your digital rights. Take action at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We're going to jump right into the news. But first, let me remind you that the news itself is crazy. That means a lot of volatility. It means you're not sure where the stock market is going to go. You don't know whether your politicians are going to inflate the currency, whether they're going to blow out the spending, what they're going to do with regard to trade, monetary policy. This is why you should be at least a little bit diversified into precious metals. The people I've been working with for years are my friends over at Birch Gold. Gold is a safe haven against inflation and bad decisions by politicians, which means like if, uh, it's a hedge against Reality, because that stuff is happening all the time. Where do you buy your gold? Birch Gold Group. That's who I trust. This month, they're going to give you an extra bonus for Black Friday through November 27th. For every $5,000 purchase, Birch Gold will send you a free silver American Eagle. There's no limit on the amount of free silver you can receive, which is a great way to teach your kids the importance of diversification. To qualify, when you text Ben to 474747, just tell the Birch Gold representative about this offer. Even if you're investing in a precious metals IRA, you'll still get the physical silver delivered directly to your door, which is awesome. Text Ben to 474747. Get that free information kit on diversifying into gold and then call my friends over at Birch Gold. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Countless five-star reviews. Text Ben to 474747. Open that precious metals IRA. Get your free silver before November 27th. Over the weekend, the the Donald Trump legal options seemed to narrow fairly dramatically. They had a, a lawsuit that was in Pennsylvania uh, and it was struck down with prejudice. I mean, it was it was basically they basically said, we're not going to allow you to refile the lawsuit, nor are we going to allow you to amend the lawsuit. The federal judge, his name is Matthew Brown. He was appointed by Obama, but he was appointed at the behest of Senator Pat Toomey. He is a Republican. Uh, he is also a Federalist Society member. So this is not a wild left wing judge. Uh, just because he was appointed by Obama, very often low level district judges are appointed at the behest of senators from various states through sort of bipartisan agreements. In any case, the Associated Press reported a federal judge issued a scathing order on Saturday dismissing the Trump campaign's futile attempts to block the certification of votes in Pennsylvania, shooting down claims of widespread irregularities with mail-in ballots. The case was always a long shot to stop President-elect Joe Biden's inauguration. That, of course, is the language of the AP. But it was President Donald Trump's best hope to affect the election results through the courts, mostly because of the number of electoral votes, 20 at stake in Pennsylvania. U.S. District Court Judge Matthew Brand wrote in his order that Trump had asked the court to disenfranchise almost 7 million voters. This is one of the problems that the remedy did not seem like it was calibrated to the sin. If you can identify two people who had their votes counted wrongly or who should have had their votes counted and, and instead were disenfranchised, that really is general. The court's not going to order that an entire state of 7 million people, all of those voters, then be disenfranchised and instead electors be appointed by the state legislature. Brand said one might expect that when seeking such a startling outcome, a plaintiff would come formidably armed with compelling legal arguments and factual proof of rampant corruption. That has not happened. Trump would have still needed to win in Arizona and Georgia and other states in order to actually win the election. Uh, Trump has been reaching out to Michigan legislatures, legislators in, in the White House on Friday. He was uh, working with these lawmakers. He was suggesting, apparently, this is the speculation anyway, and he was suggesting that they select their own electors. Right now, the situation in Michigan remains a little bit up in the air. The state board of canvassing could theoretically split 2-2, in which case there'd be a bunch of lawsuits filed, and then we'd find out how things end in Michigan. But in Pennsylvania, the situation is just about wrapping up. And again, the, the, the baseline problem with the situation in, in Pennsylvania is that the lawsuit was just slimly predicated. They, they had allegations of equal protection violations. There were legal problems with that because, again, it was a, a lawsuit that was filed basically on the basis of the state taking certain procedural certain procedural rules under consideration. 
the equal protection claim was a federal claim. To make a federal claim, you have to show that a federal right was violated. A federal equal protection claim based on two different counties having two different standards of votes being counted and voter fraud not being the issue was probably not going to end with the disenfranchisement of 7 million people in Pennsylvania, as Annie McCarthy writes over at National Review. Judge Brand's opinion sets forth a variety of reasons for dismissing the case. Most of them are directed toward the complaints of two individual plaintiffs, voters who claimed that their ballots had been improperly discounted. The court found the Trump campaign had no standing to sue, having posited no evidence that Trump was harmed in any cognizable way by the manner in which the election was conducted in Pennsylvania. See, here's the problem. It was not the voters suing. It was the Trump campaign suing, suggesting that things were unfair on behalf of the Trump campaign. In order for you to sue, typically in a lawsuit, you have to have standing, right? If my producer Colton gets hit by a car, I can't sue the person driving the car. I mean, nor would I. I mean, I like Colton and all, but, but I can't sue the person driving the car because I don't have standing to sue, right? I'm not the person who is damaged. Colton would have to sue. In this situation, if there was voter fraud that occurred, the voters theoretically would have to sue unless you could show systematic voter fraud on behalf of the Biden campaign. The biggest problem, again, in that lawsuit was, as Annie McCarthy has said many times, the mismatch between the proposed remedy and the, propo and the suggested harm. The judge said, even if you accepted the premise that the two voters in question were denied the right to vote while others were not, the relief would be for them to have their votes properly counted, right? You just figure out how they were going to vote and then you count their votes. It wouldn't be to disenfranchise 7 million people. In filing their original complaint on November 9th, the Trump campaign claimed extensive voter fraud. Then, apparently, they, uh, they pulled their voter fraud claims. Then they tried very late to reinstate their voter fraud claims. That happened on Thursday night. But they did so in order to go back to district court. So they were saying, OK, well, now that they have basically rejected our claims at this particular court level, we're going to go to the Supreme Court. But the problem is the, the relief that they requested from the appeals court was to go back to district court. So you end up with a sort of weird position where they want to get to the Supreme Court eventually and have the Supreme Court adjudicate the voter fraud, voter irregularity claims and seek to throw out the election in Pennsylvania, essentially. But they were claiming they were going to go to the Supreme Court directly. The problem is that the grounds upon which they appealed is that they were not given leave to amend their complaint. That now gets remanded back to the district court. So they actually go back down to a lower level court in order to make this argument. The Trump legal team was trying to kind of turn a, a sousier into a silk purse here by suggesting that this was actually a victory. Rudy Giuliani and uh, Jenna Ellis issued a response to the ruling. They said, today's decision turns out to help us in our strategy, strategy to get expeditiously to the U.S. Supreme Court. Although we fully disagree with the opinion, we're thankful to the Obama-appointed judge for making this, this anticipated decision quickly rather than simply trying to run out the clock. We'll be seeking an expedited appeal to the Third Circuit. There's a lot of evidence that in Pennsylvania, Democrats eliminated our opportunity to present 50 witnesses and other evidence that election officials blatantly ignored Pennsylvania's law denying independent review. Okay, but they're not actually, again, appealing the decision to the Third Circuit Court of Appeals on the basis that they ignored the evidence and therefore it needs to be sent to the Supreme Court. They're saying they want leave to, re to revise their complaint. I know there's a little bit of legalese. It just means that the timeline is longer than it otherwise would be. This doesn't allow them to elevate up to the Supreme Court. It causes them to elevate only to go back down to the lower court, which means that you end up in this sort of endless cycle of appeals. Judge Brand suggested, of course, that the, the lawsuit was bound to fail, which, of course, I mean, in all likelihood, it probably is. So that is the story in Pennsylvania. Meanwhile, in Wisconsin, the Trump campaign is uh, attempting similar lawsuits. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that with all of the unrest out there, gun sales have been going through the roof. And there's a reason for that, right? You want to protect yourself. You want to protect your family. The big problem is that even in, God forbid, a situation in which you have to protect yourself and your family, you very well could end up 
being dragged into court. You could end up being prosecuted simply for defending yourself or your family. That's why you have to know how to use your gun and when to use your gun. You need the proper education and industry-leading training to ensure your skills are sharp when faced with danger. Plus, the USCCA has purchased an insurance policy that provides the association and its members with self-defense liability insurance. You need the USCCA if you are a responsible gun owner. Get started today by texting GUN to 87222. You'll receive the complete concealed carry and family defense guide for free. In this guide, you will learn how to detect attackers before they see you, how to survive a mass shooting, seven firearms drills that could save your life, and much, much more. It's a 164-page guide loaded with valuable information. In addition, if you text today, You'll be entered to win $1,000 to put toward a gun of your choice that you can use to protect your family, which is a pretty great deal. Everything is unpredictable right now. It's normal to want to protect your family. If you want to protect your family in the best possible way, get involved with the USCCA. Text GUN to 87222 right now. Again, text GUN to 87222 for the 164-page Complete Concealed Carry and Family Defense Guide, and you're entered to win 1000 bucks to put toward a gun of your choice. Go check them out right now. Okay, so meanwhile, in Wisconsin, according to the Washington Post, they are seeking to use a recount to, uh, to attempt to invalidate votes in the state, making sweeping challenges to hold categories of ballots cast in the state's biggest two Democratic-leaning counties. As a recount began on Friday in Dane and Milwaukee counties, those are home to the cities of Madison and Milwaukee, Trump's lawyers argued officials should not merely retabulate all the votes cast. Instead, they argued that a large batch of ballots had been improperly accepted and counted in the first place. In both Dane and Milwaukee, they're seeking to, to disqualify all absentee ballots that had been cast before Election Day in person, rather by mail. So that is likely to not succeed either. I mean, they're making a legal challenge suggesting that every absentee ballot that was cast in person, meaning that you cast in, uh, an absentee ballot, then you went and you checked in person to make sure to double check that your vote got counted and you cast a provisional ballot, that all of those should basically be thrown out. The unofficial tally still shows Biden up by about 20,000 votes. In 2016, when Jill Stein, the Green Party candidate, requested a more extensive statewide recount, it resulted in uh, Trump widening his victory in Wisconsin by about 131 votes. The Trump campaign's decision to target for the recount the only two Democratic counties was obviously an attempt to close the gap. Jenna Ellis said, every American deserves to know that our elections are conducted in a legal manner, no matter who they are or where they live. Our only goal is to ensure safe, secure and fair elections. There are a lot of accusations that observers and media were being kind of distanced from the actual counting of the ballots. Unclear as to whether that is a legal problem or not. In all likelihood, the at least the baseline rationale that people are using is they're saying you're not supposed to be up on the ballot so you can actually see who voted for what because there is, in fact, a secret ballot. Trump campaign lawyer Stuart Karge almost immediately accused the newly sworn in Milwaukee election workers of starting to open and look at ballot applications before the Board of Canvassers authorized it. And uh, and. Rick Bass, who was uh, one of the one of the election monitors, uh, got very angry because a lot of the uh, he's, he's a Republican. Uh, he got angry because some of the Trump supporters were apparently being kind of loud during the election observation. It's uh, it's a big margin. It's unlikely that a recount is going to overcome it, which is, of course, why they are filing legal challenges, uh, suggesting that the absentee ballots have been improperly counted in the first place. So a recount isn't going to do much. This is sort of the same strategy they adopted in Georgia when the the Trump legal team suggested that a recount isn't going to change any of the results because the big problem is that people did not properly signature match the first time around. That if you sent in a mail-in ballot, that people did not properly signature match before they removed the signature portion of the ballot. And therefore, a bunch of illegal votes had already been counted. And if you recount illegal votes, you're just recounting illegal votes. The issue there is that you do have Republican and Democratic observers in Georgia who are actually matching the signatures together. So that is where things stand with regard to Wisconsin. Meanwhile, over in Michigan, as I mentioned earlier, Team Trump is trying to 
create a pathway whereby the Michigan legislature would declare a slate of electors for Trump, even though Trump right now in the count is down about 150,000 votes in Michigan, the claim being that widespread voter fraud and voter irregularity make it impossible for the count to be trusted. This, of course, has already been quasi-adjudicated by a board of canvassers in Wayne County, where it split 2-2 Republicans and Democrats, and then the Republicans voted with the Democrats to certify, and then they tried to uncertify. Now, the thing is that the state board of canvassers, we will see how they vote. There are two Republicans and two Democrats. If they were to split 2-2, then presumably there would be a lawsuit trying to compel the state board of canvassers to vote in favor of certifying the election, at which point you would imagine that the governor, who happens to be a Democrat, Whitmer, that she would vote to certify the election. But you could theoretically have a constitutional crisis. This is what the Michigan House Speaker was talking about, Lee Chatfield, Republican. If there were to be a 2-2 split on the state board of canvassers, it would then go to the Michigan Supreme Court uh, to determine what their response would be, what their order would be. If they didn't have an order that it be certified, well, now we have a constitutional crisis in the state of Michigan uh, that's never occurred before because, as the federal constitution says, this is left up to the state legislatures. Yeah. Uh, the state legislature decided long ago uh, to do it this way. So if this way doesn't work, obviously now we have uh, questions that have you know arisen in Michigan. Okay, so that is uh, that is the possible you know constitutional crisis happening in Michigan. In all likelihood, this is probably not going to move forward in this way. Again, the the lawsuit has basically been declared dead in Pennsylvania, barring some sort of extraordinary circumstance. Uh, the recount in Wisconsin is not likely to result in any severe change. The lawsuits there will be adjudicated. If there's a lawsuit in Georgia, it will be adjudicated, although there was a lawsuit that was filed last week by a member of Team Trump. And uh, that lawsuit was plagued by a bunch of errors in which, for example, the person who filed the lawsuit included affidavits that conflated Michigan and Minnesota, uh, which was a real problem, declaring that the voter rolls in, in Michigan had been overwhelmed by people who were not registered to vote. It turns out that he was matching up stats from Minnesota to stats from Michigan and then comparing the voter count, which, of course, uh, is, is doing the math wrong. So all of this uh, is, is a problem for Team Trump. I mean, the, the, there's no question that the legal path for Team Trump has narrowed just to be perfectly objective about this, which would mean that now would be a time to bring forth as much evidence as you could possibly muster with regard to voter fraud and voter irregularity sufficient to overcome the presumption that these votes are going to be certified. We know already that Georgia is going to certify. We know that Pennsylvania is likely going to certify. Once the votes are certified and the electors are selected, then it's just a matter of the formalistic vote of the Electoral College on December 14th. So time runs short. Now would be the time to, as Sidney Powell suggested, release the crack. And there's only one problem there, which is that Sidney Powell has now been ousted from Team Trump. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about encrypting your data. Let's talk about the data that you have on your computer. You don't want anybody stealing that data. You don't want to be anybody tracking what you do online. I mean, this is your data. It's often easy for a hacker to bypass Wi-Fi security and steal your information by exploiting flaws like crack. That's crack with a K, in case you'd like to Google it. That's why I use ExpressVPN to stay secure online. It's hard to know whether your device or network is vulnerable. If you ever use Wi-Fi at a hotel or shopping mall, you're sending data over an open network, meaning no encryption at all. The best way to ensure all of your data is encrypted and can't be read by hackers is to use ExpressVPN. Just download the ExpressVPN app on your computer or smartphone, tap one button to secure 100% of your network data, and then just use the internet the way you normally would. ExpressVPN, it's incredibly reliable. It's the fastest VPN service I've tried. They're also rated the world's number one VPN provider by review sites like TechRadar and CNET. So if you want the best in online security and privacy protection, head over to expressvpn.com slash Ben for three extra months free with a one-year package. Protect your internet today with a VPN I trust to keep my data safe. Go to expressvpn.com slash Ben to get started again. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben to get started. Okay, so meanwhile, you remember that just last week, 
the Trump legal team included three lawyers. It was Rudy Giuliani, who had been brought in very late in the game to represent the Trump team in court in Pennsylvania. It didn't go particularly well. It was Jenna Ellis, who's a longtime Trump campaign lawyer. And it was Sidney Powell. Sidney Powell was, of course, the lawyer for Michael Flynn, who did an excellent job with Michael Flynn and was uh, considered fairly well-respected in the legal community. Just last week, Jenna Ellis had suggested that this was the elite, the elite strike force team for Team Trump. Here's what she had to say at that press conference last week. Remember, this is such a short time frame. And this is an elite strike force team that is working on behalf of the president and the campaign to make sure that our constitution is protected. We are a nation of rules, not a nation of rulers. Okay, so that was the take last week. That was, the take last week was that, that Sidney Powell was an integral member of the team. She was standing up there on the podium. She was taking the microphone from Rudy. And of course, the theory that she laid out last week is that the Dominion voting systems had been hacked. And there are two separate theories laid out by Team Trump. The theory that was put forward by Rudy Giuliani had significantly more legitimate basis, at least evidentiarily as far as we could see. That theory is that there had been voter irregularities, that observers had been kept from polling places. They were told to keep back, and that provided the possibility of voter fraud. There's one affidavit that he cited suggesting that actual votes had been brought by trash can for Joe Biden to places in Detroit. There wasn't a lot of evidence to support that. There was one affidavit. Uh, court in Michigan found that unconvincing. But at least there were affidavits, at least there were allegations that were subject to the possibility of verification, right? He was alleging that there were certain poll workers who were being told by the Democratic Party to facilitate with voter fraud. Right? These were the sort of allegations he was making. Now, the problem for Giuliani is that he wasn't making a lot of those allegations in court. Where he did make them in court, they weren't sufficient evidentiarily for a judge to sustain them. But again, is there voter fraud? Is there voter irregularity? There certainly is in every single election. The only question is to what extent. Sidney Powell is making a much, much deeper accusation. Her accusation is that the vote machines themselves had been hacked, that basically Dominion Systems had at one point had a relationship with a company called Sequoia. Sequoia had at one point had a relationship with a company called SmartTech. SmartTech had imbibed supposedly material into their algorithms that allowed for manipulation of the algorithms from the outside. And therefore, she has suggested that some 7 million votes had been basically wiped from the rolls for President Trump meaning that Trump won 80 million votes, not 73 million votes. I mean, these are, these are pretty broad and, uh, and spectacular allegations requiring a broad base of evidence to be provided. So I said last week, I'd like to see the evidence to make up my mind in public because the fact of the matter is that she was making a claim to the media. I can't judge whether her claims are true or false until I actually see the evidence. So I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do about that. And then people were saying, well, just wait for her to bring it forward in court. I said, okay, that's fair in the legal sense, but she was making a claim to the media. If she's asking for my opinion on what she is saying, I need to see evidence of that what she is saying is true before I'm likely to believe that 7 million votes. I mean, it's, it, what she was talking about is the biggest voter scandal in the history of the United States, which means the biggest voter scandal in the history of democracy. If you're literally talking about the voting machines of the United States being hacked to the point where nearly 10 million votes are shifted from one side to the other, or 7 million votes are simply lost in the mail, if you're making those sorts of claims, you're talking about the greatest act of undermining of democracy in the history of democracy. I mean, it's, it's an, an amazing, amazing accusation. So you're going to require some evidence of that. And if you're not going to bring it in public view for people in the media to judge or people in the public to judge, and we're all just supposed to be asked to take that on faith, okay, then just say you're bringing it in court and then bring it in court, right? Because you don't have a lot of time to prove that. Also, you would imagine that if the voter fraud were, were that prevalent, you should be able to come up with, with evidence of it. Okay, so last week, obviously, this resulted in Tucker Carlson 
going to Sydney Powell and saying, can you trust the evidence? And we actually asked Sydney Powell to come on the program so we could ask her about that. Uh, she never responded as far as I'm aware. Tucker Carlson did have coordination with her team and she basically blew Tucker Carlson off and then suggested that he was a bad guy for asking for evidence, which is a, a proposition I find uh, pretty, pretty ridiculous. She also said she didn't have time to do interviews. She then promptly appeared on Newsmax where she did interviews. So she went on Newsmax and uh, she suggested that she was going to file lawsuits. This is over the weekend. She was going to file lawsuits in Georgia and it would be, quote unquote, biblical. This is the language that she's using. I mean, these are big words she's using, right? Kraken, biblical. OK, at a certain point, you're actually going to have to show the tsunami of evidence that you have hidden behind door number three here. Here was Sidney Powell. Jordan Sekulow said that there's going to be a filing soon in Georgia that would be explosive. Can you tell us anything? Can you make some news with us here tonight? Tell us anything new that you're going to present in that filing in Georgia. Well, I'm, I, I can't say that yet, but hopefully this week we will we will get it ready to file. Sydney, what's and it, it will it will be biblical. Then she even went further and she suggested that in Georgia, the reason that Trump lost, even though there's a Republican secretary of state and a Republican governor is because essentially the Republican governor, Brian Kemp, had been paid off, that he was complicit in the uh, in the Dominion scandal. She then suggested that Bernie Sanders was also complicit in the Dominion scandal because he had been jobbed by Hillary Clinton back in 2016 using Dominion voter machines and had gone along with it for the sake of party unity. Here is Sidney Powell you know, broadening the accusations now. Georgia's probably going to be the first state I'm going to blow up and and Mr. Kemp and the Secretary of State need to go with it because they're in on the Dominion scam with their last-minute purchase or award of a contract to Dominion of $100 million. The State Bureau of Investigation for Georgia ought to be looking into the financial benefits received by Mr. Kemp and, and uh, the Secretary of State's family about that time. Just to clarify, you're saying that Governor Kemp, who's been a longtime ally of the president, is it is directly involved because of financial benefit in the conspiracy to defeat the president in Georgia? We have certainly been told that there is evidence of that. OK, I mean, the the I have certainly been told that Brian Kemp is guilty of being paid off by Dominion in order to shift votes or to go along. with. I mean, these are these are criminal allegations. She's accusing people of criminal behavior. I hate it when people on the left do this to people on the right. I'm not a big fan of when people throw around criminal type accusations without any sort of supporting evidence or even a, a compelling legal theory, right? So, so this obviously went too far even for Team Trump because over the weekend, Sidney Powell was fired from Team Trump. Okay, so that is a pretty good indicator that even Team Trump didn't believe that she had the goods that she was referring to in all of this, which is, you know, bad news for Team Trump because obviously Team Trump needs that sort of evidence in order to overturn election results in places like Michigan or Pennsylvania or Georgia or Arizona. Again, President Trump would need to win Arizona and Georgia and Pennsylvania, or you need to win Georgia and Pennsylvania and Michigan in order to win the election at this point, which would require overturning of those votes via evidence of significant, significant voter fraud. Okay, we'll get to more of that in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that you need life insurance. If you're a responsible human being, you want to make sure that your family is taken care of in case, God forbid, something should happen to you. Shopping for life insurance, it can seem really daunting, but if you've got loved ones depending on you, it's also really important, which is why Policy Genius makes it easy. They combine a cutting-edge insurance marketplace with help from licensed experts to save you time and save you money. Right now, you could save 50% or more by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance. When you're shopping for a policy that could last for more than a decade, the savings really do start to add up. Here's how it works. First, you head on over to policygenius.com. 
In minutes, you can work out how much coverage you need and compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. Policy Genius will compare policies starting at as little as $1 a day. You might even be eligible to skip that in-person medical exam. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and the red tape. Part of that is that they work for you, not the insurance company, which is fantastic. If you hit speed bumps, they will take care of everything for you because, again, they work for you. That kind of service has earned Policy Genius a five-star rating across over 1,600 reviews on Trustpilot and Google. So if you need life insurance, head on over to policygenius.com right now to get started. It could save 50% or more by comparing quotes. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it is nice and important to get it right. Okay, so again, Sydney Powell had made these accusations. She had made many of them from the podium with Jenna Ellis and Rudy Giuliani in that blockbuster press conference last week. Well, then Dominion representatives went on television. They said, listen, there's really no evidence of anything that is being alleged right here. We actually don't have any relationship with Smart Tech. We haven't had any relationship with Sequoia, which owns Smart Tech for quite a while. Smart Tech itself is not a Venezuelan run company. It's not run by the Venezuelan government. It was run by a Venezuelan expatriate living in Boca Raton, Florida, originally. Uh, so here is Dominion uh, saying, you know, we keep hearing these allegations that we've done a horrible job here, but we're still waiting to see the evidence that we did a horrible job. I've got the facts on my side, and the president's attorneys will go on to press conferences, will go on TV and make these crazy allegations, and then 30 times they've gone to court, and they have not offered a scintilla of proof. So all I can say is until we would love to see any facts and evidence they have, thus far we have seen none. Okay, so all of this would have just been a sort of right-left battle over Dominion voting machines, except that last week on Sunday, this— Yesterday, Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis actually released a statement firing Sidney Powell. So now you either believe that Giuliani and Ellis have been paid off or you believe that Powell didn't have the goods. I mean, those are the only two ways to read it is that Powell was making accusations that she simply couldn't back up. Once Giuliani and Ellis say, listen, we're done here. Once Team Trump says, you know, we brought you on. You said you had the evidence. You don't have the evidence. Catch you later. There, there are a lot of folks out there who are still inclined to believe that Sidney Powell has that outstanding. You're going to have to explain what the interest of Team Trump would be in cutting loose the person who is going to release the Kraken on behalf of Trump's legal team. And there's no logical explanation for that, unless you believe the conspiracy is so high that somehow Giuliani and Ellis are in on it. Okay, so here is the statement that Giuliani, Ellis, and uh, Giuliani and Ellis put out about Powell. Giuliani and Ellis said, Sidney Powell is practicing law on her own. She is not a member of Trump legal team. She is also not a lawyer for the president in his personal capacity. Two advisors to Trump who spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss private conversations said the president disliked the coverage Powell was receiving from Tucker Carlson and others, and several allies had reached out to say she'd gone too far. The advisors also said she'd argued with Giuliani and others in recent days. Well, one of the reasons for that is because of the accusations that, again, she has not brought forth evidence for publicly or in court. The evidence that she suggested was going to be brought forth to demonstrate that this election was not just stolen, but that millions of votes were either disenfranchised or switched. That evidence not only didn't materialize, she is now, because of all of this, undermining faith in the electoral process in Georgia. Republicans have two seats in Georgia that are up, two Senate seats. It's going to decide the fate of the United States Senate. Forget the presidential race for a second. If Democrats were to take control of the Senate, and if Joe Biden were, be, were to be selected by the Electoral College on December 14th, if that goes forward as planned, the last thing Republicans need is a Democratic-run Congress with Kamala Harris as the tie-breaking vote if Republicans don't pick up those seats in Georgia. So what you don't need is somebody like Sidney Powell out there depressing the vote in Georgia, according to the Washington Post, Trump believed that Powell was causing more harm than help. She was too crazy even for the president, a campaign official said. Now, she did release a statement in response to all of this. 
Her statement in response was, I understand today's press release. I will continue to represent we, the people who had their votes for Trump and other Republicans stolen by massive fraud through Dominion and Smartmatic, and we'll be filing suit soon. The chips will fall where they may. We'll defend the foundations of this great republic. Hashtag Kraken on steroids. So we've had things are getting biblical. We've had the Kraken. Now we have Kraken on steroids. At a certain point, you got to fulfill the promise, right? At a certain point, you're going to have to demonstrate that uh, you have the goods. And Team Trump apparently doesn't believe she has the goods. It's not that Tucker Carlson is doubtful. It's not that I'm doubtful. It's that Team Trump doesn't believe that Sidney Powell has the goods. Otherwise, they would have continued to run with her. I mean, they're running with her as late as Thursday of last week. Okay, meanwhile, the media are going nuts over all of this because the media are suggesting, how could anyone be so credulous about accusations of voter fraud and voter irregularity? How could anyone doubt the veracity of the voting machines? How could you, typical Republican, even entertain the thought that possibly the voting machines could have been hacked? Some crazy conspiracy theory like this. Now, listen, I'm not a big believer in the idea that the voting machines were hacked. I'm not. I'm not a big idea in that. I was not a big believer in that when Democrats were claiming it with Diebolt, and I'm not a big believer in it right now with regard to Dominion and Smart Tech, because Smart Tech Technology, again, it's a different company than Dominion. Uh, the, the chain of evidence here is extraordinarily thin, uh, verging on the non-existent. Okay, with all of that said, the radical shift from Democrats with regard to you're not allowed to have votes, you're not allowed to have doubts about voter fraud and voter irregularity or, or voting machines being, being targeted in hacker breaches. The shift to that from all of these machines are going to be switched on behalf of Donald Trump is radical. It is radical. Over the last several years, the media have not been shy about this. Jack Posobiec on Twitter did an excellent job over the weekend of compiling a huge list of various members of the media and members of the glitterati who had been tweeting and talking openly about how susceptible voting machines were to hack. Of course, they were talking about the idea that Trump was going to rig the voting machines on behalf of Republicans. And now, of course, they've shifted their opinion. So back in 2018, the New York Times tweeted out an article on September 6th, 2018, six ways to fight election hacking and voter fraud, according to an expert. A new report calls for more money and innovation to combat cyber threats and cut down on the risk of voter misconduct. Or how about this from the Washington Post? As Georgia rolls out new voting machines for 2020, worries about election security persist. I mean, where did that come from? Weird. I, I was told that that would be, you know, kind of crazy and, and nutty. PBS did an entire segment just a couple of years ago questioning voting devices in Georgia made by Dominion. This is from PBS NewsHour. Remember, these are all establishment media sources doubting the veracity of the voting machines. In 2019, Georgia bought the devices from a Canadian company called Dominion Voting Systems. They replaced paperless machines like these, made by a now defunct company called Diebold Election Systems. A federal judge forced the state to scrap the discredited devices. Okay, so... PBS was saying just like a year ago that this was a real problem, that Dominion was a real problem. Okay, again, we have, we have tremendous lists of, of people on the left side of the aisle demonstrating their worries about this. MSNBC did a full segment on how easy it was to hack Dominion voting machines. This is, again, just a couple of years ago. What's so alarming about being here is that you see teams literally of hundreds of hackers in the employee of companies like IBM to be a sort of uh, think tank, a skunk works, you know, for discovering uh, the, the latest trends in hacking. Well, an election official barely has the money for a single IT consultant, much less anybody coming in to try to imagine what could go wrong if we went at these guys. So uh, for me, the, the gap here between the billions being spent on cybersecurity across the country by private actors and the fact that they had to buy these, this equipment on eBay just to test it out. I think that tells you everything you need to know. Okay, so again, MSNBC putting out their doubts about the voting machines. 
Okay, way back in 2016, Gabriel Sherman, reporting for New York Magazine's Intelligencer. He had an entire piece titled Experts Urge Clinton Campaign to Challenge Election Results in Three Swing States. This included the following statement. The group, which includes voting rights attorney John Bonifaz and J. Alex Halderman, the director of the University of Michigan Center for Computer Security and Society, believes they found persuasive evidence that results in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania may have been manipulated or hacked. The group is so far not speaking on the record about their findings and is focused on lobbying the Clinton team in private. So Hillary Clinton was being lobbied by people from University of Michigan suggesting that the votes had been hacked in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. So two things can be simultaneously true. One, I'm not a big believer that votes typically get hacked, not in the United States, and not where we actually have a pretty good Department of Homeland Security cybersecurity system. Okay, but with that said, I'm not willing to listen to the media's take, which is that if you had doubts and if you were giving Sidney Powell the benefit of the doubt for a second, and if you're saying, let the process play out, that this means that you are badly motivated and evil and terrible and no good and very bad because Democrats were saying the exact same thing about the same damn voting machines literally 32 seconds ago. And then all of a sudden, they got what they wanted in the election. It was, hey, this election was pure as the driven snow. Magic, how that happens. The entire New York Times editorial board put together, put together a headline saying, a great election against all odds. They say the 2020 election was not simply free of fraud or whatever cooked up malfeasance the president is braying about at this hour. It was, from an administrative standpoint, a resounding success. In the face of a raging pandemic and the highest turnout in more than a century, Americans enjoyed one of the most secure, most accurate, most well-run elections ever. Don't take our word for it. Listen to the state and local officials of both parties and dozens of states who were tasked with overseeing the process. Now, amazing how credulous the New York Times is about all of this when just a little while ago they were doubting the process itself, they were talking about how Trump was burning the voting, Trump was, was rigging the voting machines and how Trump was burning the mailboxes and all of this. In other words, everything in politics has basically just come down to pure partisan nonsense. And what that means is that the entire media, which is involved in the pure partisan nonsense and will not tell you the truth about any of this, if Trump had pulled out the victory, don't worry, all of the talk about Dominion and smart tech would have been on the left, all of it. And it would have been coming from New York Magazine and Gabriel Sherman. It would have been coming from the New York Times. It would have been coming from PBS. We would have heard nothing but braying, the same kind of braying they're accusing Trump of. They would have been talking about how everything was corrupt. It was a dirty election. There was no way to run a clean election in a time of a pandemic and everything was taken advantage of. I, I, I don't think for half a second that Democrats would not be, be talking about voter fraud because they were back in 2016 again, even according to Gabriel Sherman. I mean, they're, they're, they're wonderful celebrity friends. Barbara Streisand tweeted out in October 2018, why are Republicans purging hundreds of thousands of voters in Florida and Texas? Why do we still have voting machines that can be hacked with no paper trail? Why won't the Trump administration spend needed money on election security? Remember, this was the line leading up to the election is that Team Trump was defunding par parts of the DHS in order to allow for foreign election interference on Trump's behalf. So now that they think Trump lost, this means that you're not even allowed to ask questions about this sort of stuff anymore or you're bad. Now, again, I'm, my standard along the, uh, has been perfectly consistent all the way through here. And it's the same standard I hold for every single claim made in politics. Show me the money, right? Show me the evidence. Don't show me the possibility that something bad could happen. Show me that something bad happened if you're talking about changing the results in a variety of states. This is true in 2016. It is true in 2018. It is true in 2020. But the media don't have any ground to stand on here because they were pushing exactly the same, court, the same sort of speculation about how the voting system was going to be completely jacked up. They were pushing that five minutes ago when they thought that Trump was going to win. Now that they think Trump lost, all of a sudden it's like no one's allowed to talk about this. Everybody who talks about this is a crazy Alex Jones tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist. Pretty amazing how, how the media worked that. Speaking of which, the media 
what this is about for the media is, of course, reestablishment of two narratives. One, their own dominance, and two, the narrative they wish to push from the left. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that if you look around your house right now, and you've done some work in your house, and it really should look better than it does. Did you ever think about your window coverings? I know, nobody thinks about the window coverings. Now, you're, now that I told you, you're looking at the window coverings, you need to replace them. Right? They can look a lot better than they do right now. This is why you need Blinds.com. They make it simple. They shop top quality blinds, shades, and interior shutters from home with easy online ordering and free shipping. The experts at Blinds.com understand that window treatments are one of those household items you don't just think about, but they can make a huge impact on the look and feel of your home. You don't need to do a full renovation. By simply changing what is on your windows, you can change the way light comes into your home and you can create a totally different feel. Go to blinds.com. Just take a look at all the options like faux wood blinds, cellular and roller shades, even outdoor shades. If you're nervous about trying them, there really is no reason to be. Blinds.com has helped millions of homeowners throughout the process. Plus, they guarantee the perfect fit, whether you do it yourself or have them measure and install everything for you. So head on over right now. See how much you can save at blinds.com. Blinds can really bring your house together, make it look so much nicer without spending a fortune. When you check out online, don't forget to tell them you heard about blinds.com from the Ben Shapiro Show. Rules and restrictions may apply. Go check them out at blinds.com right now. And again, let them know that we sent you. Okay, so this is all part and parcel of the media's generalized attempt to reestablish their dominance in the narrative. The rule for the media is this. They can say anything they want, they can violate all the rules. And then if you have doubt about those exact same rules, you're the bad guy. So they can violate all the rules. They can say that voting machines were hacked by Diebolt in 2004. They can say that voting machines were susceptible to hack in 2016 and 2018. But if you question that in 2020, you're now bad, right? Just the very question itself means that you're a crazy person who's a conspiracy theorist. And to throw that theory out there is completely wild. And they can say for four long years that Donald Trump was, a, was being run by Vladimir Putin like Kevin Costner in No Way Out. And then it turns out not to manifest at all. And they just move on to the next narrative, which is, of course, that Trump is a secret white supremacist. And if you say at any point, you know, I don't trust your narrative. I think that your narrative is full of it. They say, ah, well, this is because you don't trust the facts. If you believed in the facts, you would believe us. And so what they've decided to do, the mainstream media, in order to reestablish their dominance after having blown a lot of their credibility over the last four years, I would say virtually all of their credibility over the last four years, is now what they want to do is shut down the systems of dissemination of information so you cannot get alternative sources of information. So Chuck Todd, who spent years pushing the Russian election collusion conspiracy theory that turned out to be completely bunk, now he's out there saying that the big problem is that Facebook exists because too many Americans are able to access information that Chuck Todd doesn't like on Facebook. I buy into the theory that the death of the local newspaper is, is basically was the beginning of this that shoved everybody to Facebook. And there's just way too many people that use mm. Facebook as their, uh, and cable news as their information, um, as their information vehicles. And certainly Facebook is certainly not a trustworthy platform. I'm sorry, I'm, I, I'm, I'm yet to have anybody prove to me that Facebook can be a trustworthy platform for information. Okay, I'm just wondering, you work for MSNBC, dude. I mean, we're talking about trustworthy platforms for information. You work for MSNBC which has suggested repeatedly that President Trump manipulated the election result in 2016 alongside the Russians. And they, like MSNBC is a source of multiple times over disinformation, what many right-wing sites like Daily Wire are. But we're supposed to trust, basically this is Chuck Todd saying, I know you don't trust us anymore. And so what we need is to pressure Facebook into shutting down all avenues to information other than MSNBC. This is the great scam. And this is, I've said this many times, this is what's gonna last beyond this election. The move to shut down the spigot of information, to go after the social media platforms so that they, which were created in opposition to the dominance of the mainstream media, that 
to sh- that the next move is to shut down those platforms on behalf of the mainstream and establishment media. So you left the New York Times, you left MSNBC, you left CNN, and you went over to Facebook to find alternative sources of information. So now all of these establishment media players are going to follow you over to Facebook, and then they're going to tell Facebook they need to shut down those alternative sources of information. They're mad about Parler because Parler is doing the same thing. Parler is not abiding by the rules of Twitter, and therefore they need to be shut down too, right? This is the line. And it's not just Chuck Todd saying this. We got Margaret Sullivan, media columnist over at the Washington Post. She has a piece today titled, The Disinformation System That Trump Unleashed Will Outlast Him. Here's what reality-based journalists must do about it. She says, social media platforms, streaming news channels, and innumerable websites will spew lies and conspiracy theories and will keep weakening the foundation of reality that America's democracy needs to function. This is coming from the same media that, tra- that, that treats Barack Obama as the arbiter of truth and fonthead of wisdom. The most honest president. He never had a single scandal, tan suit and all. So what, if anything, she says, can the reality-based press do to counter it? I see three necessities. First, be bolder and more direct than ever in telling it like it is. No more pussyfooting or, pu- or punch-pulling. No more of what's been called a false equivalence, giving equal weight to truth and lies in the name of fairness. See, this is the, the, the idea here that she is pushing forward. The, the false equivalence line is something that members of the left and the media like to say. So what happens is the New York Times will say, some people say Russian collusion is happening. Some people will say Russian collusion is not. What members of the left say is the New York Times should not include that last sentence. They should just treat Russian collusion as a foregone conclusion because after all, one of those things is quote unquote true and the other is not, right? They are on the side of absolute truth and rightness and their opinion actually is equivalent to truth. She says, I've been encouraged to see more of this unabashed approach lately. Trump wages full assault to overturn election, read the print edition banner headline in Friday's Washington Post. The first paragraph described his orchestrating a far reaching pressure campaign to overturn the will of voters. And David Sanger of the New York Times began his analysis. President Trump's attempts to overturn the 2020 election are unprecedented in American history. Again, this is uh, all opinion stuff. That that is not factual. That is opinion. Unprecedented in American history. I mean, there was the election where Rutherford B. Hayes actually lost the election then ended up as president of the United States, for example. But this is what Margaret Sullivan wants more of. She wants more left-wing media. And then if you refuse to go along with the left-wing media narrative, then we should shut down the platforms that allow you to find other places to actually get your information. The only hope, says this, says Margaret Sullivan, is to agree with journalism scholar Nikki Usher of the University of Illinois to appeal to passion as well as reason, providing moral clarity along with truthful content. Or as the NYU's Jay Rosen recently wrote, journalism must reposition itself in the media ecosystem to seize this moment in history to take a clear stance in everything it does as pro-truth, pro-voting, anti-racist, and aggressively pro-democracy. In other words, the reality-based press has to unapologetically stand for something. Otherwise, it's just a pallid alternative to the excitement of burgeoning lies. So so Margaret Sullivan, media columnist at the Washington Post, her idea here is that if you want to undercut false information, what you have to do is promote narratives from the left alone and condemn anybody who doesn't believe those narratives is an idiot. Great idea, Margaret Sullivan. Great idea. That is not going to polarize the conversation in uh, any way more. And you can see the media already making this turn because as they assume that Joe Biden is the president-elect, they've started to treat Joe Biden with exactly the sort of conciliation that they treated Barack Obama. Barack Obama disdained the media. He saw them as suckers. And he was right. They were suckers. And Joe Biden feels the same way. So a reporter, for example, yesterday asked Joe Biden about teachers' unions and reopening and said, you know, the teachers' unions, uh, they're really putting a lot of pressure on places not to reopen the schools. What's the deal with that, considering the science says that the schools should be reopened? And Biden uh, got a little bit um, a little bit frustrated with having to actually deal with the question. 
Mr. Biden, the, the COVID task force said it's safe for students to be in class. Are you going to encourage unions to cooperate more to bring kids back to classroom, sir? Yeah, he kind of dismisses him. Right? He just kind of dismisses him. Well, you're always asking questions like that. Always asking. Okay, so when Donald Trump does that, it's an attack on the press. By the way, that's Bo Erickson, not a right-wing reporter, a reporter with CBS News. Biden said, why are you the only guy that always shouts out questions? Well, I mean, first of all, that in and of itself is an indicator of where the press are. Because if you have watched a White House press conference recently, all the press do is scream questions at members of the White House press corps. That's all they do. All they do is just scream at Kayleigh McEnany or scream at Mike Pence when he does a presser or scream at Donald Trump. That's all they do. Joe Biden gets like one tough question. He's like, why are you always shouting questions? That wasn't a shout, number one. That was a pretty well-articulated question. But this is what Joe Biden expects, and it's what he is going to get. He's going to get complete, full-on compliance from the media, where supposedly the democracy dies in darkness crew. Okay, which brings us to the Biden team. He's moving forward with plans uh, to, to put together his team. We'll talk about who he is picking and why it's likely to tick off the intersectional left in just one second. First, let us talk about something fantastic you can do for your family. So look out in your garage. You got a bunch of old film reels. You got old VHS tapes. You got a bunch of old pictures and they're moldering out there. You need to get those digitized. You need to put those in a format. You can actually access them, put them on a thumb drive or a DVD or the cloud. This is why you need Legacy Box because that's what Legacy Box does. Legacy Box is a safe and affordable way to digitally preserve all your home movies and photos that are currently trapped on dated formats like VHS or film. You can reclaim all the priceless footage you haven't been able to see in years. The service is really, really easy. I've been using it for my own parents. It's fantastic. You use their kit to safely send the moments you want preserved. Their team digitally creates an archive. And then you receive your new copy stored on the cloud, a thumb drive or a DVD, along with all the original media you sent them. With their tracking system, you can monitor every step of the process so you always know your originals are being taken care of. Over the past 10 years, Legacy Box has helped close to 1 million families restore and protect their most cherished memories right now. They are offering 60% off, which is a fantastic deal. You can have everything preserved at once for a fraction of the regular price. Once you have the digital version, you're secure because these are now preserved for generations. It's the best deal of the year. Head on over to LegacyBox.com slash Shapiro. Take advantage of this limited time offer. Get 60% off. The exclusive offer won't last long. Order their kit now. Send it in whenever you're ready. It's a sale to remember. Go to LegacyBox.com slash Shapiro. Save 60% while supplies last. Alrighty, we have a lot more coming up, so stick around. But first, Thanksgiving is almost here. That means Black Friday is almost here too. Since last year's Black Friday deal, we've been consistently adding more features and products to our membership program. We are really pumped about it. Next year is going to be just bananas. To name a few things, we've added more exclusive Reader's Pass content. Our insider and above members can now stream our content on Apple TV and Roku. We're currently adding the entire PragerU catalog behind our paywall. Your account now comes with custom badges that you can earn by participating in current events. If you're an All Access member, you get to join All Access Live. That's our exclusive daily live streams with me or one of the other hosts where we talk directly with you about, well, anything. I mean, I literally will sing you songs and whistle for you. It's bizarre. You also get two Leftist Tears tumblers, early access to our Daily Wire merchandise, and daily discussions with our writers and special guests. We're also continuing to add new features and products like the entire PragerU library. That's currently being added to the website and content from Candace Owens. She'll be launching a new show with us early next year. And believe me, I have big, big plans for the next year. More material, different material. It's going to be awesome. Needless to say, we're pretty excited about this year's deal. You don't want to miss it. So head on over to dailywire.com right now and subscribe. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. All righty. So meanwhile, Joe Biden is constituting his team, Jen Psaki, who is a, a white lady. She says that Joe Biden's team is going to look like America, which, again, I'm I'm always confused by this idea that we have to proportionally represent every population in the United States in a cabinet. I'm not sure why that is supposed to make a difference other than you are a racist and you're involved in racial essentialism. 
the suggestion being that your skin color or your sex is more important than your actual qualification for the job. Here's Jen Psaki pushing that anyway. Uh, it is unlikely this is a promise that will be fulfilled at the top levels of the Biden cabinet, given the fact that he is currently selecting a lot of white people for those slots. Their cabinet and the team will look like America. So that means diversity of ideology, diversity of background. And he wants to have a range of views of people at the table. So I would encourage people to wait to see who he announces and nominates in the weeks to come. Of course, there'll be some this week, more in the weeks following. But he wants to have a diversity of voices at the table because he fully understands that's how he's going to move an agenda forward. Okay, if by diversity of voices at the table, she means that uh, he wants a bunch of people who generally have agreed with his crappy foreign policy, for example. Uh, that's what he's doing. He's taking all the people he staffed up with in the Senate and he's now bringing them back and basically redoing the Obama administration without some of the more radical members of the cabinet. He's apparently going to name Tony Blinken as secretary of state. Honestly, this is a relief to me that it's not Susan Rice, considering that Susan Rice is a pathological liar. She lied to the American people about Benghazi. She also happens to be radically anti-Israel and conciliatory with virtually all of the places you don't want America to be conciliatory, including Iran. Uh, Anthony Blinken, uh, he is he's not great, but he's certainly better than Susan Rice. Also, he's picking Jake Sullivan, who could have predicted that he was going to be he was going to bringing back the whole team. Right. He's bringing back one of Hillary Clinton's oldest aides as his national security advisor. His incoming White House chief of staff is Ron Klain, another Biden retread. Both Sullivan, who is 43 and Blinken, 58, served stints as Biden's national security advisor when he was vice president. Uh, Blinken's foreign policy, he, he has suggested he wants to get back into the Iran deal. You knew that was happening because Biden has, of course, suggested he wants to get back into the Iran deal. Uh, Blinken has suggested that there is a bipartisan consensus that China needs to be contained. And that that happens to be the truth, by the way, uh, is that there are a lot of Democrats who are kind of thankful to President Trump for having rejiggered a lot of the relations with regard to China. Uh, Blinken apparently is going to focus on trying to form alliances with other Southeast Asian nations against China. Uh, that would be creation of trade deals and trade blocks in that particular area of the world. The Iran policy is a disaster. Blinken did recommend to Biden that he support the Iraq war. He also recommended to the Obama team, that they put many, many more troops in Syria in the first place in the middle of the civil war. So Blinken is kind of traditional Hillary Clinton Democratic foreign policy, which is not great. But who else would you expect Biden to pick? Susan Rice didn't endorse the pick, which is the worst thing that has happened to Blinken all the way through. He suggested that Trump had helped China advance its own key strategic goals, which, of course, is very silly. But Blinken says Biden would, quote, step up defenses of Taiwan's democracy by exposing Beijing's efforts to interfere. The irony is Taiwan has been a success story over the last decades in terms of how the U.S. and China have handled it. Now, that, that of course, is ridiculous. You, you, like exposing China's efforts to interfere in the Taiwanese democracy is not going to do much. You actually have to arm the Taiwanese to fend off a Chinese attack. The bottom line here is that if people were hoping for a transformational woke Biden administration, uh, Early indicators is that is not the direction in which Biden is moving. Now, we'll see if the left sits still for that. That is going to be the amusing part of all of this is watching as the left turns on Biden as it becomes clear that he's just a doddering old career Democrat who's willing to blow with the wind. Right. That, that's going to be the fun part is that it's going to be Rashida like Rashida Tlaib tweeted out today in anti-Semitic fashion because Blinken is apparently Jewish. She tweeted out that uh, she's fine with Blinken so long as he doesn't force her to not say mean things about Benjamin Netanyahu. So that's uh, that's going to be fun to watch the squad go up against Joe Biden and the Democratic Party, if indeed Joe Biden uh, is picked by the Electoral College on December 14th as currently constituted. So the, the conflict inside the Democratic Party has just begun. Uh, one final note here when it comes to the presidential election. Again, Lynn Wood, who is filing lawsuits on behalf of Trump in Georgia, is saying that Republicans shouldn't show up to the polls to vote in the Georgia Senate race. That's insane. That's insane. Go out and vote in the Georgia Senate race. Okay. Meanwhile, your update on COVID. So 
COVID continues to wash across the land. We have record numbers of hospitalizations. Uh, last I checked, it was like 70,000 people who had been hospitalized. We have record number of ICUs, about 16,000 people in the ICU right now. Uh, we have seen a, a vast number of diagnosed cases. Apparently, upwards of 3 million people are transmitting the virus at, at this time. And if you've talked to people in your own life, you know that there are a lot of people who are getting it. And now, thank God, the virus is not an extraordinarily deadly virus. It's not bubonic plague. It is more deadly than the flu. Uh, it is mostly dangerous to people who have, as I've said many times, pre-existing conditions, particularly if you happen to be obese, uh, if you have diabetes, uh, if you've had prior lung conditions. Right? These are, these are all conditions that are exacerbated by COVID, and COVID is likely to do more harm to you than if you are young and healthy. Um, but that does not justify the media's treatment of, of COVID. The media have been attempting to create a political narrative around COVID for quite a while. The political narrative goes something like this. If you're a Democrat, you avoid COVID. If you're not a Democrat, then there is no way for you to avoid COVID because you're bad and terrible. Uh, one story that came out over the weekend that is indicative of this. So you remember last week, there was this nurse who appeared on CNN and she claimed that she'd been going around in the nursing ward and people were just dying. These bodies piled up everywhere. And people were telling her as they were dying, they did not believe that COVID was deadly. And this, we, we played a clip of this. It was from CNN. And this is treated with great shock by the media. Oh my God, look at this delusional, these delusional red staters. It's just terrible. Well, it turns out the lady definitely could have been lying. According to National Review, a South Dakota nurse gained national attention this week for a tweet claiming that some of her dying coronavirus patients refused to admit the virus is real. Jody Deering, a traveling nurse who lives in a small, so small eastern South Dakota town, had Saturday night off of work and was at home eating ice cream on her couch when she posted a Twitter thread in which she said she couldn't stop thinking about COVID-19 patients who, quote, still don't believe the virus is real, the ones who scream at you for a magic medicine and that Joe Biden is going to ruin the U.S. She wrote that patients gasping for breath on a respiratory support system, quote, tell you there must be another reason they are sick because they don't have COVID because it's not real. Yes, this really happens, wrote Daring, who often tweets about the dangers of the virus in addition to tweeting her support for left-wing causes like Black Lives Matter. She's also a regular Twitter, Twitter critic of South Dakota's Republican Governor Christy Gnome and President Trump, whom she has called very, I would say, eloquently, both a jackhole and an F-stick. So she, she's, she's a charmer. Her tweet about the coronavirus denial and the fear of a Joe Biden presidency gripping her dying patients has been retweeted more than 71,000 times. She ended up on CNN's New Day. She said her tweet wasn't about one person, but many people, a culmination of so many people. And their last dying words are, this can't be happening. It's not real. When they should be spending time FaceTiming their families, they're filled with anger and hatred. And then, of course, the Washington Post pushed a story and USA Today pushed a story. Neither of those news organizations bothered to track down who are the people she was actually talking about. National Review was unable to reach during on the phone or on Twitter for comment or get a sense of how widespread she believes COVID denialism is among her patients. South Dakota, of course, is a reliably Republican state, and more than three-quarters of the voters in Deering's County voted for Trump. There have been 644 deaths from COVID-19 in South Dakota. Currently, they have the nation's highest positivity rate. Noam has publicly questioned the effectiveness of masks in slowing the virus's spread and has refused to institute a mask mandate. But the evidence of, uh, of Deering's tweets being true is very, very, very thin. Kim Rieger, a spokeswoman for the Huron Regional Medical Center, one of the hospitals where Deering works, said after Daring's claims went viral, she did an informal poll of about half a dozen other nurses. She said no one else has gotten that statement back from a patient specifically, nor have they heard of that happening here. Not to call her a liar because she provides care here as well as other hospitals. It could have happened in another hospital. She, uh, she said, I read these tweets and I think she was at her end. It might have been a better conversation for her girlfriends than Twitter. Nathan Johnson. A spokesman, a spokesman for Avera Health System, which operates several hospitals in the region, said he hadn't heard of any cases of COVID denial in the system. He said, based on one informal conversation I had, a nurse leader said they hadn't heard anything like that taking place. 
Deering noted that not all of her COVID-positive patients deny the existence of the virus, but she insisted that this is not political. So in other words, no one from any of the hospitals where this lady works so far has come out and actually confirmed her story. It didn't matter. It was too good to check. The entire media decided to run with the idea that patients who are dying of COVID in South Dakota are basically saying with their last dying breath that the virus is a lie. This is all part of this narrative put forth by Democrats and put forth by the media that the only people who care about COVID are people who are Democrats, which has led to the the investigation of bizarre policies, the instigation of bizarre policies. In New York City, obviously, they've now shut down the school system for no apparent reason at all. I mean, really, like they know that it's a bad idea. They know the positivity rate in the New York schooling system was 0.23%. They shut it down anyway. They said they had to. They did not have to, of course. Meanwhile, in Los Angeles, they shut down in-person dining, even outdoors. According to Erica Quintanar at Daily Wire, L.A. County public health officials said Sunday afternoon restaurants will be forced to stop all in-person dining services due to the ongoing spread of the coronavirus. The policy will go into effect the day before Thanksgiving and last for at least three weeks. You can't visit breweries, wineries, or bars in the county either. L.A. County Public Health Director Barbara Farrar said in a statement on Sunday, quote, as we modify our Thanksgiving holiday celebrations, we are reminded of the many families who will miss their loved ones. We send wishes for healing and peace. The persistent high number of cases requires additional safety measures that limit mixing in settings where people are not wearing masks. Businesses are going to go back to having to rely on takeout delivery and drive-through services. That comes less than a week after Governor Gavin Newsom unveiled a stay-at-home order that prohibits non-essential work and gatherings in most of the state's counties from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. for a month. And of course, he has called for a curfew as well. Nearly 95% of California's 40 million residents live in so-called purple-tier counties, which are the shutdown counties. Meanwhile, California Health and Human Services Secretary Mark Gailey has warned the state may, quote, need to make more, may need to take more stringent actions if we are unable to flatten the curve quickly. Taking these hard temporary actions now could help prevent future shutdowns. And they're warning there may be more restrictions in L.A. County as well. I mean, very, very solid stuff here. Seriously. Except that Gavin Newsom has also decided that non-essential work, that does not include the entertainment industry. So his friends in the entertainment industry continue to keep working. Deadline Hollywood reports that Gavin Newsom's office said Thursday the order would not apply to workers in the entertainment industry. Those workers have been deemed essential. The original order included a list of essential critical infrastructure workers to help state, local, tribal, and industry partners as they work to protect communities while ensuring continuity of functions critical to public health and safety, as well as economic and national security. On the list of exemptions, there is essential worker designation 15. It reads, workers supporting the entertainment industries, studios, and other related establishments provided they follow COVID-19 public health guidance around physical distancing. So, in other words, the schools are still closed in LA County, last time I checked. No schools, yes, on the kissing scenes in the movies. Uh, what now? So the entertainment industry is deemed vital by Gavin Newsom, but it is not vital that you be able to go to church. Very interesting how they've decided what is essential and what, in fact, is non-essential. As far as, by the way, outdoor dining, over the weekend, Governor Phil Murphy of New Jersey, who's been one of the, the strictest COVID lockdown advocates, he was spotted dining with his family outdoors, and somebody went up at him and started screaming. First of all, bad policy. Never scream at people, guys. Like, don't scream at politicians. It's rude and it's nasty. But is Phil Murphy a massive hypocrite? Absolutely. Is Gavin Newsom the biggest hypocrite in the world? He's shutting down every restaurant he, or L.A. County at least, is shutting down every restaurant outdoors. Every restaurant outdoors in L.A. County is now being shut down for outdoor dining, which is not a leading source of transmission. And indoor dining is one thing. Outdoor dining, if you're socially distanced, is not really a danger. You're outdoors. Okay, and the idea here 
is that Gavin Newsom can still go to the French Laundry in order to eat a $400 a plate dinner with the California Medical Association officials. They don't care about the standards. This is all, it's nonsense. You can take rational measures to protect yourself and protect your family. You can do all of that without having to have these government dunderheads picking a standard that they themselves will not abide by. This, of course, resulted in giant protests in Huntington Beach over the weekend. In what local media described as a massive crowd of protesters, they assembled in Huntington Beach, California on Saturday night to defy Gavin Newsom's months-long curfew order that took effect for most of the state at 10 p.m. The new mandate applies to counties in the state's most restrictive purple tier of the reopening plan in which about 94% of Californians reside. Demonstrators lined the sidewalk around the Huntington Beach Pier at Pacific Coast Highway and Main Street. Many waved American flags as drivers honked their horns in support while driving through the area as well. Huntington Beach has, of course, protested before when Gavin Newsom tried to shut down the beaches because it turns out that shutting down the beaches is stupid. Now, the, the shouts from the media were loud and clear because, of course, these are people who are protesting the shutdown. Um, if they'd been out there protesting systemic American racism and police brutality, of course, then the virus would have spared them, presumably. Meanwhile, you know, just to put sort of a, a cherry on top of the COVID cake here, um, Andrew Cuomo, the worst governor in America, he actually won a, an Emmy Award. He was apparently given an International Emmy Founders Award for being so great on TV. Howard Kurtz reporting this for Fox News. Andrew Cuomo's early briefings, that's what this award is about. They were very good. He was blunt. He was straightforward. He was sometimes witty and he took responsibility. Uh, maybe his brother, Chris Cuomo, over at CNN, who was in one of those briefings after he got COVID-19, will be a little jealous of his brother's Ebby. In giving the award, the International Academy said that Cuomo effectively created television shows with characters and plot lines. Well, maybe, but the award implies that he did a great job battling COVID. And there, of course, the record is far more complicated and mixed. Okay, so, I mean, this is insane. Andrew Cuomo being given an Emmy Award for his television performance? I mean, it does demonstrate what so many people think politics is all about, which is not good policy. It's all about how you appear on television. Meanwhile, it is a fact that we are moving forward. There is progress here, right? There is progress on developments of these vaccines. AstraZeneca came out today, and they announced that their vaccine is about 90% effective. We have now news that there will be the first vaccinations by mid-December. Meanwhile, the, the chief advisors with regard to COVID, the Operation Warp Speed chief advisor, he came out and he said, one of the dangers here is that the vaccinations have been politicized. That, of course, happened because of the Democrats who decided that they were going to come out basically against the vaccine as long as it happened under President Trump. Andrew Cuomo, Captain Amazing Governor who wins an Emmy, he himself said he is not going to accept a vaccine produced under Trump until it has been independently verified by some sort of medical team inside New York. So here was Dr. Slowey, who Monsef Slowey, op, chief of Operation Ward Speed, Warp Speed. I really think it's very unfortunate that the whole process has been politicized and therefore uh, the context has created conditions whereby people's perception have been exacerbated and we are where we are today. And I think people just need to measure. Here is the problem we have, the problem we know. One to two thousand people dying every day. 200,000 people infected every day. And here is the vaccine that can give you almost an insurance against that. And we know it's safe mm -hmm. over a short period of time. And we can predict that it's going to be safe over the longer time. And we will measure that. So, by the way, who politicized this? It was the Democrats and the media who went along with the politicization of the, of the vaccinations. Now, again, there is good news on the way, right? Continue to social distance. Continue to wear masks when you're in close quarters with other people, particularly if those people are vulnerable. 
you know, isolate. If you are, if you are, if you come down with symptoms, right, all of that, continue to do all of that because there is help on the way. I mean, there, there is hope in on the horizon. Dr. Slowey says we're going to be back to normal in May. 70% or so of the population being immunized would allow for true herd immunity to take place. That is likely to happen somewhere in the month of May or something like that, based on our plans. I really hope and look forward to seeing that the level of uh, negative perception of the vaccine decreases and people's acceptance increases. That's going to be critical to help us. Most people need to be immunized before we can go back to a normal life. Here's what rational COVID policy would look like at this point. Not mask mandates, rational behavior by individual citizens to minimize the risk of passing this thing along to people who are unhealthy. That means if you're going to have friends over, eat outdoors and socially distance, it's not that hard. It can still be fun, particularly if you're in areas of the country where the weather is fairly decent. You can still eat outdoors. Eating outdoors is fine. Okay, have Thanksgiving, have it outdoors. You don't have to have the government breaking down your door to stop you from having a Thanksgiving dinner. And you certainly don't need politicians who are hypocrites like Phil Murphy or Gavin Newsom deciding that what is good for them is not good for you. Right? You certainly don't need that. But again, be careful. The vaccine is coming. This is all, We're moving in the right direction here, folks. But it is particularly impressive how the media have decided to politicize this whole thing and treat it as though Republicans are to blame for, vi- for viral COVID spread. One of the examples is the media are vi- like the, the sort of schadenfreude that so many people were experiencing on the left with regard to Kelly Loeffler, who is one of the Georgia Republican Senate candidates uh, coming down with COVID, right? She was diagnosed with COVID. There's that, oh, it's because she's a Republican. Yeah, a Democratic congressman over the weekend was also diagnosed with COVID. It turns out people everywhere are getting COVID. Okay, that's not a political thing, which means everybody should act like a rational human being and we should please stop treating this thing as though if you do some sort of paganistic sacrifice to the lockdown gods, then magically everything will be healed. That is not the way any of this is going to work. Okay, we'll be back here later today with two additional hours of content. Otherwise, we'll see you here tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Our associate producers are Nick Sheehan and Rebecca Doyle. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental. And that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free 
should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 